Whoa! Pick up your lager. It's time for saga. Head to the fridge and go grab a lager. We're gonna read a comic called Saga. It's a space operatic adventure. It's not just for geeks, it's for those who love culture. Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. It's a brilliant mashup of all of your favourite things. A girl with wings and a guy with horns. They're trying to protect their lovely little newborn. A cat who spots lies, a babysitter who is dead. There's even a man with the television for a head. He's got a television for a head. That's right, people. We are back with episode two of What a Saga. Listen, the chief ain't here alone. This is more than uh, one person can handle. I'm joined by entrepreneur, researcher, play expert, one of my favourite people. It's Emma Warlow. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thanks. I've been solo parenting for two weeks now, so... This is the first adult conversation I've had for a while, so I might be excessively enthusiastic. Don't expect too much from me. Uh, I'm not sure about the other man who's joining us, and it is uh, aspiring comic book writer, Mr. Dave Wimblett. How are you, sir? Hello, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I've just been um, on holiday for a week, so I'm probably the opposite. I just want to sit on the sofa quietly and do nothing. It's been a busy week. The chief and family, family chief, is going to centre parks uh, for a holiday in the roaring heat of England. Centre parks, and they say you can't make money from podcasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've not got centre parks money, unfortunately. This one's going on the credit card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just noticed that you two are both wearing Star Wars t shirts, and I'm wearing a My Little Pony t shirt, and I feel like this is very gender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what have we expected? Done? <laughs> yes, I keep, I keep trying to get my six year old daughter to watch Star Wars, and the missus says it's too violent. So, um, really? yeah, yeah, but um, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, do it anyway. Jack yeah. watches um, Jurassic World, which is a cartoon probably aimed at 12-year-olds. Okay. Uh, he watches some ghost, the real Ghostbusters, right. basically all the stuff I used to watch. And it, does he does he think that he's got a career lineage in um, hunting dinosaurs or chasing ghosts? He'll probably have moved on by the time he actually is thinking about career prospects. He'll have gone beyond all of that. And he's like, what's the next level? <laughs> Whatever that well, might be. In the intro, I was going to say welcome to uh, Team Saga, but I feel like Team Saga is actually these fine people that are making the book that we're reading, and we don't really, we're not entitled to that Team Saga. So what I was going to say was, we also have an email address. It's whatasaga at gmail.com. So you listeners out there, you write in and tell us what should we be called, the awesome trio here, the Three Musketeers. Uh, give us a name, uh, and we'll give you a shout-out on a future episode of the show. Listen, if you've got any thoughts on the show, uh, you something you like the way we're covering the books, um, things you want us to add to the book or the discussion, um, then well, not, we can't add anything to the book because we're not involved in creating the book, but you know what I mean. Write in and tell us. Write in and tell us. Hit us up on the socials, which we'll give you at the end of the show. Uh, but right now, obviously, we want to talk about issue two of Saga. So, first of all, let's have a look at the cover. Now, it's a couple of babies' hands. They're reaching out. It's grabbing a finger of some weird creature. Yeah, now, what is that creature? Having read issue two... And I think I've got a vaguely good memory. I've no idea what that is. Okay, well, even though no. you've read the issue, and it happens in yeah. the issue. It no, it doesn't. It issue, doesn't. Does it? No, it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Actually, no, that's a lie. Um, ah, this so this, must, ahead, be, you, this must be metaphorical, I guess. Because this doesn't definitely doesn't happen in the issue. But that hand, 
I'm pretty sure belongs to someone from the issue. Okay. Ant Lady. Uh, Ant Lady. She, I thought she was a spider, but... Oh, <laughs> she's a okay. spider? Yeah. I think well, spider, yeah. We'll have a look a at some images alert. later and we'll post some <laughs> images up, but I think it is the stork, yeah. And also, uh, another thing which I, I found is common to this comic book series is the opening page is a splash page. Now, if you're not a um, comic book reader, then you might not know what a splash page is. That basically just means there's no... The page isn't cut up into panels. It's just one full bleed, art, corner to corner, edge to edge, just one big image. And that happens on every issue. Uh, and I'm just going to go back. I think issue yeah, one was... One? It was Alana's head... And she was saying, am I shitting? Yeah. It feels like I'm shitting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like the splash page. As a non-comic book reader, um, I don't know if this is a common technique or something used to Saga, but um, unique to Saga, but I've noticed that they do this quite a lot where you have this zoomed out perspective and then a very kind of zoomed in line from someone that you can't see. And I really like that last week we were talking about the experience of reading comics and how the imagery kind of puts you in the story um and i i like that sort of perspective um of thinking about you know we're so zoomed out and like this little person in there just saying like this one line i think it's a really cool technique i don't know if that's common in comics or yeah i think you do see it a lot in comics and also like you've said there it is zooming in on someone and they haven't, you, you don't know who that is at the moment. That is a spaceship yep. or some sort of kind of craft. Who's in it? All you know is phone, call my agent. Yeah. Which is a nice kind of modern, modern, um, contemporary reference as well, isn't it? Yeah. We get some more contemporary references throughout this book as well, um, which, as we did in the first one, which again, I'm going to jump forward. As you've mentioned it now, we'll, we'll go back to who was in that spaceship in a second, but there is a scene jumping on that contemporary reference where. Um, I think Prince Robot is about to go on a mission and he says something like he, he'd rather fly, oh, dreadful, I'd rather fly commercial than yeah. another one of those godforsaken things. So, you know, <laughs> he's got commercial flights and etc. But yeah, it was in fact the Will in, in that spaceship on the opening splash page and we met him in issue one. Uh, very quick recap for issue one, I guess Alana, we met Alana and Marco, our two, cross, what's, what's the word, star-crossed lovers. Uh, they've just had their baby hazel and they are on the run from pretty much everyone both of their two races and also a host of freelance bounty hunters so anyway they're 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 being hunted down and they've got a treasure map they're trying to find the rocket ship forest to make a quick exit from the planet anything jump out at you initially i am finding myself rooting for the will i am increasingly enjoying this character um and his liar lying cat <laughs> i'm a big fan of his massive blue cat um i feel like he's a sort of almost like a side hero he's kind of not fully pure and necessarily all good but he is going to yeah i don't know do do exciting things he's a good character in the in the in the comic world i guess you would call that an anti-hero i guess yeah kind of thing like someone like from marvel the punisher who is, he takes out bad guys, but he does it unlawfully. Mm. Um, you know, he takes the law into his own hands. And the Will, I see what you're saying. We haven't really seen him in action yet, but you get the feeling that, you know, he's going to b- break a few rules. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got Han Solo kind of Boba Fett vibes, like a cross yeah. between the two. 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's got an amazing cape. Um, he's got a lion cat. I'm looking at him sitting down in a chair on page two. He's got some crazy boots on. They look like kind of, you know, he's something you'd wear in a tavern. We're drinking a, a, a flagon of ale or something. Um, he's. If I was going to cosplay, I think I'd probably cosplay as the will. And I could dress up my dog in a giant cat, lion cat outfit. Yeah, you've got the haircut down. <laughs> yeah, I've got the haircut. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, and cosplaying a dog as a cat. You just need sure. a, a curtain or something. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's simple. Entry level cosplay, I'd say. I would quite like to cosplay as the agent. Oh, yeah. Okay, emperor, <laughs> unicorn lady. No, the seahorse. Yeah. Oh, the seahorse. Okay, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that it's a seahorse. It's so weird. It has feet, though. You can see the feet under the desk. Yes, yep. That is cool. That is cool. What is his uh, spaceship? It's kind of like a sycamore. It looks like a sycamore leaf with a little nut underneath it. Oh, yeah, it's like an, an acorn flying on a sycamore. Oh, yeah, as if it's fallen out of the sky and it's kind yeah. of whir- whirling around. Helicopter things. But, yeah, there's quite a lot of organic, natural, t- naturalistic yep. type um, spaceships, which I like. Yeah, well, it's just twisting the norm, isn't it, of a big phallus-like rocket. You know, not everything needs to be like that. Speaking of organic, um, our heroes are, are in up shit creek in an organic forest that wants to kill them. Um, or at least tra- has trapped them. And this had a, brought a question to, to my mind um, about magic because Marco uses magic to get them out of the vines. Um, they, he gets Alana to tell a secret. So there's this cool bit, isn't there, where he has to, he needs a secret as part of the kind of magic spell. That's cool. I've, ri- I've written down, you know, a couple of things about magic, like wh- what is it? Uh, who can do it? How do you do it? Is it reserved for certain types or traits or is it is it genetic or things like that and I guess I'm not looking for answers from this particular issue but it's it just kind of dropped into the conversation she's accepted it and it is it is what it is but is that from a story point of view is that something that you would feel the need to be explained or are you just happy to roll with it yeah stories that are full of um exposition you know it gets bogged down it can get boring um stories where you're expected to just kind of go along with it and fill the gaps yourself and um, use some of your own kind of in- intelligence uh, that doesn't doesn't treat the readers, you know, as simpletons. I like that. I feel like as well there's so many different sort of tribes and sides in this that they've all got different knowledge and skills and powers. So I just interpret it, interpreted it as that's something that him and his crew knew about species yeah would, would would know about yeah i like the fact that he's clearly being put across already we're only in the second issue as a little bit of a buffoon um but he could still yeah do magic spells so again turning on its head is it that you know you have the wise old sage like gandalf that spends years and years to work out how to do spells and this guy's just kind of rolling around falling over getting caught in vines but can still do magic i really like this whole scene there's also some nice like colloquial parenting lols in here like the fact that the baby is completely asleep while they're tangled up in these vines um and it's got this like little commentary from Hazel, that kind of whispering voice that we talked about last time. Um, Dad had been awake for 65 of the 72 hours since I was born. That's just like uh, relatable whether you are a mutant or a average human like me. Um, And I love this liner, this one liner that she has um, when they're tangled up in these 
uh, trees and she's like this is what i get for marrying a vegetarian even the goddamn plants want us dead <laughs> i love that piggybacking off piggybacking off the bit where you said where um dad had been awake for 65 of the 72 hours the next line is actually mom hadn't closed yeah. her eyes once mm-hmm. so it's like you know a- again there's so there's so much and this is one of the notes i made there's so much relationship work going on through these issues um, so you've got this Marco Alana relationship, and you're already leaning towards, you know, she is the the balls out the bathtub, tough as nails, you know, um, do anything kind of uh, character slash parent. And also, you know, would she do anything that comes up later, which is one of the the moral conundrums that I, one of her actions when she's confronted with a stalk, which we'll come on to, um, would she do that or not? I don't know. I don't know if that mm, is yeah, yeah, accurate. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. But. Uh, and it, and then, you know, there's also relationships between the will and we talked about the stalk. So let's get on to the stalk. We might as well. Well, I just wanted to say quickly about that big uh, splash page where he's hanging out by a vine and she's caught up in a vine. I got va- Star Wars vibes there. It's a bit like um, it looks a bit like De- Dagobah, uh, but also reminds me of um, Endor when they all get caught by the Ewoks in the nets. Mm, and, and Harry and Harry Potter, up. I thought of when they get in the. Um... Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. The vines. Uh, what are they called? Uh, that's uh, Chamber of Secrets, yeah. isn't it? No, no that's... Uh, yeah, Chamber, it? yeah. No, is it? No, it's the first one. It's the first one, I think, isn't it? It's the one where they... Yeah, it's the first one. Sorry, I where they go the through all the different yeah, yeah. challenges. The, yeah. The, the death death root vine. No, yeah, what are what they called? Yeah, what they called? It's really annoying. Devil's Snare! Oh, Devil's uh. Snare. There you go. Our best line from the issue. My one has come up. Uh, or maybe it's on the next page, actually. But anyway, the secret that we refer to that they need for the um, spell... Yeah. She kind of meekly says, I'm not as tall yeah. as, as I tell people. Yeah. I'm like, that's her attempt at telling a, a you know, really personal secret. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. she kind of tops that by telling the truth. And she says, I like the taste of my own breast milk, which again is actually a really good secret. I, yeah, I thought that yeah. was really funny to put that in. Um, because it's kind of like one of those, it's like one of those cliche things that people joke about when you're breastfeeding. Um, oh, have you tasted your own breast milk? Like, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing that people kind of like ask or joke about. And I thought that was like a really sort of funny tongue in cheek. Um, and the fact that she's just like, whatever. <laughs> she spit up in my mouth. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so listen, I think one of the, 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 the bigger... It's, it's quite a quick-moving issue, and I'd say it's probably 20 minutes from start to end in terms of the time elapsed, in terms of the time elapsed, because um, not much has happened. They start in the forest, and they're still in that forest at the end of the issue. So it's all quite compact, the storytelling here. Um, it's quite a breezy read, and I think the, the biggest element for me was the introduction of this character, the stork, because you can tell she's going to be around for a while, and you're given an indication of the um, the importance of her because when the will is talking to his agent and she says there's others on the case and he actually says who is it he says the import the fluke and then she says no it's the stork so that's quite cool that you know maybe all these freelancers start with the mm, you know this, do, this, yeah. this pronoun and then the, the import and the fluke I quite like I quite like to meet them later but as soon as she says the stork he's like up oh, right everyone might as well quit then you know, there's no point in carrying on because the kid, these people are probably already dead. She's that much of a badass. So when you're, you're waiting for to meet her and turn up and she turns up in a splash page and 
She is a semi-naked woman with eight eyes, no arms, and freaky deaky. You know, she springs into action straight away, um, injures Marco, uses some sort of, I guess it's a tongue or something from her mouth, splinters his shoulder completely. Yeah, classic uh, in-the-shoulder textbook. Yeah, her cloak comes off, and then... You know, then she's pretty much fully naked and she has got the torso and head of a woman and the body of a spider. So I thought it was an ant. You thought it was an ant Yeah, well, now you said spider, it's obvious. But the whole time I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, look at this like topless ant lady. Look at this topless ant lady. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely terrifying. Yeah. Genuinely yeah. terrifying. I mean, you know, that, that's probably my favourite panel of the issue just from the the freakiness of it. I mean, she's wielding a gun with a telescopic sight. She's got a knife, two-handed shotgun, an axe, and then I don't know what that... It looks like a bell. Yeah, I don't know what that is. she going to hit him over the head with a bell or what? You, you can tell now why the will was kind of like, right, she's... There's no point in anyone else doing it if the stalk's in Yeah, bed. the commentary on sort of like women in this, I think, is so interesting. And the fact that like she sort of like saunters in and she's all like tall and very kind of like lean and she's kind of a bit like... Kate Moss era heroin, heroin, heroin chic. Yeah. And then she's just like, splays herself. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've made a half spider, half woman, like kind of sexy. Yeah, way. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's honestly terrifying. Um, like all the sexiest women. It's, it's very like juxtaposed because her top half, because she doesn't have arms, is almost like. Um, quite statuesque. Um, yeah, this kind of like, yeah. yeah, sort of almost like just celebration of her form. It's almost like, you know, when you see those marble statues. Stone yeah, busts. like the busts. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the bottom the half is just like terrifying. Yeah. I mean, how are they possibly going to get away with this? I mean, like you said, Dave, uh, that initial attack from the stalk was you know, kind of movie-esque, into the shoulder rather than straight through the head or straight through the chest, uh, um, you know. So Marco is down, which has created a new problem for our lovers. But then this is the bit where Alana takes a course of action where she's got this little gun and the stalk is not scared. And then she turns the gun and puts it up against Hazel's head. And she's like, I would rather Hazel not be around than fall into your clutches, which... Did that feel not okay to you, but does that ring true to Alana's character so far or not? I don't know. I felt it was maybe a step too far. Oh, did you? Even if she's not going to pull the trigger. I mean, would you... Is there a scenario where you put a gun to your child's head? Well, I think... But I think that is everything about Alana. She is completely unrelenting in her toughness and her willingness to be in control of the situation at all times and it is really confronting when she does that it's a horrible image but it does feel on character for her yeah I guess also very clever coloring because they've colored the barrel so it's almost heating up and so there's this sense of you know she's gonna do it look there's a sound effect as the gun is actually warm and it's it's you know. I imagine it's also because she's only just met the stalk, hasn't she? So she doesn't know, the stalk doesn't know whether she's the type of person that would act like this or not. So she, you know, it's obviously a bluff. And so yeah. even if she's a really lovely person and would never ever do that, she's maybe just good at poker. Yeah. As it were. And I, th- yeah. 
And I like how the stork who has been set up as this person right from the beginning that this freelancer that we heard the will saying, you know, there's no point in me going, they, you know, they're already dead. And she's like, you know, she's there. She's this weird spider thing. But then her face is brilliant in this um, panel when Alana holds this stun gun to the baby, this freelancer that everyone is terrified of. Her face is genuinely like, whoa, <laughs> she's shocked. Yeah. yeah, because she's probably not come up against resistance no. like that no. before. Resilience, yeah, yeah, it has really and, fucked and her. Then, and she, well, she's got a double whammy because she's got the, what is this woman doing? And then immediately after that, they hear these noises uh, and it's potentially the horrors that were referenced at the end of issue t- uh, one. And then even the stork has had enough of that. She's like, right, I'm, I'm out of here. And that's even put the willies up her, so to speak. Um, and that's when you get my favorite, favorite line of dialogue from this, which is, I once saw a pack of them rip a man's spine out through the urethra. Through his urethra. That's not an exaggeration. I saw that. And that's only my favourite line because I have recently had urethra surgery. Uh, so I can <laughs> semi-relate to how painful that would be. Could sympathise with that. that yeah. I, I made a note of that as my least favourite line. Okay. I'm glad you referenced that. I wanted to... Alana, her looks, is that the right word? Her, the way she's drawn is really, I think, one of the best things about this book. One, she's kind of beautiful, you know, but her facial expressions um, mm. and as I think Emma said her kind of strength in her eyes and mm. just in everything around her manners, mannerisms and stuff is one of the things that I kind of take away from this whole comic having read all 50 odd issues or whatever. Yeah this this image where the ho- the eyes of the horrors are all lit up you can really feel the sort of maternal terror in her it's Fiona Staples, isn't it, who does the art? And she's is, incredibly yeah. good at facial expressions. Yeah. Well, she's in the worst possible scenario here. She's on the run. Um, her husband is now on the floor bleeding out. Her baby has just been threatened by this half woman, half spider thing. Slash ant. And now all these... Yeah, <laughs> slash ant. Now all these eyes have started appearing and there's all these whispers going around her. Hello, 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 hello. We've been watching you. And then you turn to the last page... Looks like you could use a hand, and it's completely not what you expected. No. A complete pull the wool over your eyes kind of scenario. You're expecting some horrific, you know, big fanged creatures, and it's actually a bunch of red kids, one of which has kind of been cut off at the waist, their intestines it's are hanging pink out. Pink emos. Pink <laughs> yeah, emos. Big time yeah. emo. That's the name of this episode, Pink Emos. So, yeah, I mean, that is like, okay, fine, now I definitely need to read the next one. Yeah, look, one of them's got their head. The one on the left has got half a head missing. There's eyes missing, bullet holes. It, if these are the... are Well, are these the horrors that the stork was referring to? Or is this something else? Is this just another um, something that's in the woods? Yeah, that's a good question. Because the fact that the stork would be scared of a bunch of emo kids... Um, is probably not believable, but I guess maybe that just suggests that they don't reveal themselves very often in this way or in this form. Uh, they only reveal themselves to who they want to reveal themselves to, I guess. Yeah. Is how I took they it. They look yeah. like a pop band for the COVID kid generation. <laughs> yeah, what's their name? Right, li- uh, listeners, write in and give us the name of this pop band, please. <laughs> the Dead Punks or something. Overall, uh, good issue. 
Yeah, I, I was really yeah. surprised by that last image. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, because I was expecting more monsters, especially after seeing the stork. And that was, it took me by surprise because it's very ghost-like and I wasn't, yeah, I don't know, I wasn't sort of expecting that. Having read, um, yeah, as I say, all 50 whatever issues that they've had so far, I think um, taking you by surprise is one mm. of the main objectives of this uh, creative team. There's some bits where I think, I've, I have a vague memory of there just being a couple bits that almost didn't make sense or just seemed so out there. And I think it is kind of almost shock value or just trying to just be completely unexpected. Yeah. yeah. But this is this is another one of the keys, one of the arts of this medium. You know, if you've you don't necessarily have to you want a cliffhanger at the end of a novel chapter, but it's very easy because the next page is just on the next page. So you can immediately jump if it's not even if it's not a cliffhanger, you know that you can just start again. Whereas when these books come out monthly, you have to have an absolute killer cliffhanger at the end to get those people coming back in a month's time. It's such an elapse um such a time lapse between issues coming out you really got to hook them and hook them good yeah this as opposed to any other medium you know tv shows back in the day were weekly and now have started to be weekly again obviously some you can binge all at one time but most things you don't have to wait as long as comics i'd say nothing you have to wait as long between the published monthly comics obviously we're reading the collected editions which is probably the preferred way of reading but you know that cliffhanger has to be so yeah good. that makes sense actually because obviously I'm not familiar with reading in that way and having to wait that long um at all and that makes sense because the cliffhangers are so exaggerated they're almost like like quite over the top um which I quite like like you it almost feels like you want to do a dum 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 yes extenders <laughs> at the end of every chapter um which I quite like this felt so fast. If I had to wait a month to find out what this emo band are, that that would be killer. Yeah, I n- I've never read comics monthly. I've because I've been so late to the game. There's you know years and years and thousands of comics out there. I've just wait. I've just read yeah. stuff that's already been released a long time. That, that's an actually interesting topic in in and of itself because when you think that comics, I mean, I think this was priced under. The, the, the average market pricing of comics, they wanted to do it a bit cheaper. I think it was $2.99, which was is still like £2.50 or whatever. So six issues collected in a trade, paperback, six 250s are what, 15 quid. You can actually get the trade for like seven or eight quid. So you can, if you're getting the, it's, it's a double whammy, you're having to wait a month between each issues and it's costing you almost twice as much than, than waiting and getting the collected edition. So why would people bi-monthly rather than just waiting it's, 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 a, it's a valid question I don't know other, other than to support the hobby or just because you want to read it as it's coming out so my favorite page we skipped over it at the beginning um it's the bit where they're going to sleep and there's kind of four panels and they're slightly changing color as it gets darker and I just think this is like a really intimate moment and we've got Hazel's voiceover sort of saying um you know no matter how hard they try no matter how pure their intentions everything will go wrong referring to that first week after a child is born and and then it says and that's when the gawkers show up and I just thought that was so um 
accurate yeah and it's like everything you try and do everything's just going wrong and like how just insane that first experience is after a child is born and and it says that's when the gawker show up and you've got all these eyes in the background which is obviously the the horrors but it kind of made me think of like how there are actual horrors like eyes looking at you when you first become a parent and you feel so judged and you feel like there's you know so many things out there trying to tell the tell you that you're wrong and that you know you're getting things wrong and I just thought that that sort of scene when they're just falling asleep um and she's going oh I love the way she smells I just thought it was so intimate and so relatable and so Yeah. yeah you could sort of read into it in lots of different ways I love that the last thing you want when you've had a kid is loads of people coming round even if they are family you, you don't want them all coming round and looking at the baby whatever you know just give the parents a week or yeah they call it a baby moon don't they yeah uh, where you don't we have no visitors for like a week or two weeks yeah um, as long as you as long as you're not going to offend family members but in that scenario you should say well tough yeah, and obviously they are exploring the theme of breastfeeding quite a lot in this. And that is that can be also what it feels like. You've got all these eyes on you when you're like learning to breastfeed and it's so stressful. Yeah, I loved that page and I loved the the, the sort of little narrative there of Hazel. I thought it was really nice. Yeah, well, th- that's a nice segue as well because we obviously have to give some kind of parenting award or some kind of it's a score co-parenting score right well is it is it a co-parenting award or or is one doing better than the other so they both fall asleep on the job so it's not okay. a good start okay. on the co- yeah. quite early on in this issue so that's not a good start for the one gets injured score. and is about to die he didn't do well there yeah and then she points puts a gun to the baby's head so generally i'm saying they're not doing that great in this issue okay wow just for this one issue this so is... what, what kind of scores give me some scores dave uh for are you giving separate scores or I'm the same like score? four out of ten four out of ten okay i think we went out of five last time did we or not i don't know we're now we're now out of ten we go five ten we go out of eight we, we we do what we please well i really liked how they tackled the devil's snare i'm just gonna call yes. it that yep. because you know, they're still having lulls. They're still, they're still being quite playful with one another. She's getting a bit vulnerable. He's asked for a secret. Um, I just thought that they handled that whole saga <laughs> um, very well together. Yeah. Okay. And I think the falling asleep is understandable. We, we know how long they've been awake and she hasn't been to sleep. So I fully let them off for that. What's your score for this one? Are you giving them a co-parent rating or are you separating? I give them a seven. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Okay, I am. I'm siding a bit with Dave. I'm going to split the difference between you two. You went four. Emma went seven. I'm going to go five. Um, hey, look, he's putting his sword down. I know he's saying all that junk about he's not going to sword's not going to leave the scabbard. He's laying it down. I lay down my weapon as a gesture of good faith. Please may my family pass in peace. Who says that in a spooky forest? No. You draw that sucker out and you got to yeah. intimidate him. Yeah, stop going on about your ring, your magical ring, and get yeah. sword out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He says, yeah, he, uh, we have to count on our rings to make whatever's out there understand. He's all about the love and peace, this guy. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm about the love and peace as well, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, situation dictates and all that jazz. There was a panel in a section that we haven't talked about with Prince Robot the Fourth, where he's getting on the train with some lackey. Oh, the train's got a big is. Chinese dragon head. Look it's at that. It's like a yeah, giant dragon train. It's awesome. It reminds me of um, Studio Ghibli. There's mm. uh, Totoro. 
okay. um, where there's a giant cat mm. bus, which is iconic um, and very well known. And yeah. it reminded me a lot of that. And also, what is this? Um, we saw that um, he had a dead rhino horn on his on his face, on his TV face in issue one. Now, what is this screaming on his face in that issue two? That was my here? main question. Like, how does this TV head work? And what what does it signify? Because that image that is thrown up in response to she was reading a book is scary and very curious. Yeah, yeah. Because like you say, reading a book, he's asking around for any clues or this person, this, um, this person he's chatting to said they knew Alana and she was just always reading books, etc. And that will... Uh, I think the books will feature in the next issue as well. But yeah, it's a scary. It's, I don't know what it is. It's I don't know. It's just weird and and again quite horrible. It's a horror book, I'm sure. Yeah, I liked it when they're by the train and he's asking, "What is the book about?" And she's kind of like, "No idea." Who has time to read anymore? I thought. I thought. I didn't know if that was like a little in joke yeah. from the authors in reference to the declining publishing industry. Yes, maybe, maybe. But what we've got here now is we've got two issues in the bag kind of very different ish in the the way they've been approached in flow and style but very world building in both of them we're getting to know the characters and they are getting into a lot of scrapes and japes at every turn so hopefully they'll be okay in the next issue i think they will because we know at least 54 issues have been published <laughs> and they've got an emo punk bands looking after them so it should be fine everyone everyone in that band has massive ears Okay, it's a big id. Maybe you can help us out there, <laughs> listeners. Uh, maybe that's a clue as to the name of this band. So do hit us up on the email. It's whatasaga at gmail.com. Any questions for us, uh, let us know. Tell us the name of this punk band and give us a name. Give us three amigos a name. Um, if the people want to get hold of you separately, Emma, where can they do that? You can find me on Instagram at playful underscore den. And you can listen to my podcast. It's called People Who Play. Yeah, go and do it. It's very good. And Dave? Just Twitter, I reckon, at Wimblet. The one and only, at Wimblet. Okay, and by the time this episode drops, which is probably Wednesday, will your Kickstarter still be live if people want to back it? Yeah, there'll probably be about 10 days left at that point. I think we're funded, which is good. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to happen, hopefully. Uh, you can actually fall back below the uh, the funding target, but then hopefully build back up again okay. this time. Remind us what up. it's about quickly. Uh, so it's about uh, a gang, little gaggle of uh, teenage boys um, roaming around the British countryside looking for treasure and getting into hijinks and swearing at each other a little bit <laughs> a lot of it. Okay. Is it uh, an all ages comic? No. It, it's kind of 13 plus I'd say. Teenagers okay. and up. Teenage humour. Yeah, exactly. Quite a lot of teenage humour. My mental okay. age. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I've backed it already I believe I think. Have I? Yes. I'm sure you have. Yep. Yes. I'm sure I have. I'm sure <laughs> I have. Good stuff. If you want to check out what I'm doing, I'm at Armageekton on instagram and armor geekdom box breaks on facebook or armor geekdom on youtube also check us out on the socials you can head over to what a saga on instagram we'll be posting up previews of upcoming issues some of our favorite panels from issues we've discussed on episodes and just general good stuff so uh, i have forgotten our send-off what's the, what's the send-off don't have a saga and uh, no something something yeah, and did we buy lagers or drink lagers this week? I no, didn't. I, I was actually going to have a drink and then I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> how how rubbish are we? Listen to that. Oh, if we're doing me. another one, if we're doing another one, I will go get one. Okay, all right, fine. Um, with that said and done, uh, 
go and get yourself a lager and don't have a saga unless it's reading this particular book called Saga. See you later, people.